Hey everybody, yes, welcome back to the Paid Search Podcast. My name is Jason Rothman. As always, I'm joined by the there great Chris Schaefer. Oh, Chris, yeah. you're in a t-shirt. The weather must be changing. Things are going good. We're oh, back. Good to see you. Yep. How's it going? Yep. It's uh, Texas is back. Um, apparently, we were transported to... Uh, like through a Yankee portal where apparently snow is an everyday thing and you know you have to wear jackets all the time it was awful uh, so uh, for those of us that uh, went through that it was traumatic very difficult um, we I, I I just said you know Jason I had a traumatic episode we're gonna have to skip a week of the podcast and you let me I appreciate that thank you for giving me a breather and uh, it is good to be back though I've missed you. Well, when I you look nice, I see weakness. I'm not going to beat a man while he's down. I the the the, the, I, the only I, the, I, uh, I don't that, know. That, that, the, the only thing that annoyed <laughs> me, Chris, was you were back in action on Thursday when mm-hmm. we were set to record. You had power right. because you contacted yep. me and said, "Hey, I can't do the podcast today. I'm still crying," or something like that. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I said, "Why can't you do it?" Like you just told me through power technology, you could. So why can't you? <laughs> you were a good friend. It didn't. You didn't actually ask that. You just said okay. You didn't actually oh, ask Chris, why come can't on. you do it. I'm just joking around, man. <laughs> I was very honestly. I was very worried about you and your family. Um, it was getting sketchy. It was sketchy here in Oklahoma. Not to that extent because it never got that bad. We had a rolling blackout one hour. If the heat would have gone out, if the power would have gone out here. So the roads were kind of impassable for a couple of days. So that's, it. We, we had the threat of something very bad happening, but it didn't. But down in Texas, something very bad happened. The heat went out and the power went out, or the power went out, which caused the heat to go out. Heat to go, and yeah. it was cold. Yeah. And it, I guess a lot of the roads were impassable for um, multiple days. So yeah, I was very worried about you. Um, how bad did it get, if you don't mind me asking? Um, we had no power for... I think about three days or so. And uh, there's no rolling blackouts. You know, it's said in the news. I'll take I'll take blackouts. a rolling blackout no. anytime after all this. To me, no. it makes sense. Like, yeah. yeah, we cut some people's power for an hour so everyone can not lose power for a long time. And we just try to rotate that. Like, yeah, it's not first world living. We're used to power 24 7. Right. But yeah, if we need to do that to keep things running overall, everyone can kind of survive no. without without an hour of <laughs> we, power or whatever, or most people can. I found out who's essential and who's not because there was no rolling uh, at all <laughs> over here. Like, uh, apparently, if you're on the same grid as a hospital or some essential place, uh, your power stayed on. Um, and for those of us that didn't have that, uh, your power stayed off. That was that was that's just how it went. So, and it's a big um, deal when yeah, it's it, cold outside. That's the problem. Oh yeah, it's, the house got down to uh, like mid forties, and uh, it was really uncomfortable. And we had one night where my whole family slept in a guest room, which doesn't have any windows. It's like this little tiny room we have because that was the warmest room. There was no windows, and uh, we all snuggled in up there. Had my girls and sleeping blankets or sleeping bags. And, uh, we had like five comforters over the top of us and it was okay. I I would think it was only like sixties or like low sixties or fifties in that room. But, uh, 
The rest of the house was like 40s. But no, we came out. I'm alive. Found out that there are such things as negative temperatures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got down to negative eight here. That's is is awful. How about you? Just baby okay? Every, everybody's Everyone's healthy? fine. Everybody's um, all right? I'm not okay, though. I'm traumatized. And I'm, oh, I'm taking man. action. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, against the weather? Uh, well, against grids, against the weather. I'm... I'm I'm going to figure this out. I I can't do this anymore. This was the second time this year. I basically felt like my home wasn't going to be safe in terms of having a baby or pets or whatever to survive. Because earlier in the year, I honestly think it was just a day, but the power went out for like 18 hours or something in the summer. And it was like in the high 90s -hmm. and it was Mm -hmm. getting hot. Mm -hmm. What the heck? What the heck? So, um... It's the second time in the last year that it got really bad and something really bad could have happened. So I'm looking into just how do you keep the power going? How do you prepare for these things? How do you stay warm in a cold house? All that kind of stuff. So I'm very much focused on that. I've been traumatized and uh, I can't I can't do it again. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm very much into preparation mode, if you will. <laughs> the the uh, the generator business is going to have a good year. The CEO sure. of That's the biggest sure. generator company, he he said something recently to the effect of like, uh, yeah, we can't uh, make them fast enough. Like they're just, they're ordering them. But you know, but you know what's scary, Chris? And we have this here. In, it did not happen in Oklahoma. It did not happen. But they, they kind of threatened it. The power goes out. They have to, or not, it didn't go out, but they did the rolling blackouts. They have to ration the electricity, if you will. Fine. That, that kind of makes sense. What they kind of talked about, which they did not end up doing, but they talked about there was a chance they were going to have to turn off the natural gas to the city. Oh man. To turn it that's, off because for you that's that's your heat, right? For, well that, for that, that Oklahoma's that, that's our heat, yeah. Natural gas heat. Yeah. But the thing not is us. but the but the thing is, if they were if they would have had to turn it off uh because it was just being overused or whatever. They said that turning it back on was going to a business-to-business and house-to-house situation. And so they would have had to go to hundreds of thousands of homes and literally, like, physically turn the gas back on. And they said that process would take a very long time, very long. And so that's multiple days or weeks without heat. Now, why is that a problem with generators? Generators, a lot of them run on natural gas. So you're sitting there, the power goes out, you think you're the big boss. Oh, I've got my generator, the gas is going. Well, what if there's a situation that's so bad they turn off the gas and your generator doesn't work? That's where I'm kind of at right now thinking of solutions. But yeah, we both uh both got through it and uh glad we ma- uh you made it out in one piece there and uh hopefully it doesn't happen again, but if it does, call me up Chris cuz I'll be uh I'll be ready for it. You'll like send me a positive text or something. <laughs> no, I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll send you'll, down I'll send down the chopper. I'll send down the chopper. Oh, there we go. Okay, because I was like, surely he's not going to say I'll invite you up because oh, I'm, I'll send I'm down like, the chopper well, and bring you up. Yeah, Chris, anytime. Okay, okay. Oh, you're wow. in my circle. Okay. Yeah, I thought the chop thought the chopper was going to take me to like an, a hotel or something. But uh, wow, that's very nice of you. Invite me to your uh, your mansion. Well, guys. Thank you for being here. We want to remind you what makes this show possible is our wonderful friends at Optio. 
Optio has been a sponsor of the show for a long time. And if you've listened to the show for many, many years, you know we've had a couple different sponsors, but Optio has been really solid and we, we like working with them. And even better, we like what they do with our campaigns. You want to get more done in Google Ads, accomplish more, uh, be more effective in the time that you have, use Optio to get it done and get it done right. You have questions about what to check. What do the numbers mean? Should I change this? Should I change that? Is Are my ads good? Should I pause this one? Google Ads has tons of options, and Optio is a wonderful tool to answer those for you in a categorized methodology. Priority one, priority two, priority three. Look at each of your accounts. Whether you have one account or 50 accounts or 500 accounts is designed to take you through that process. You give your accounts the attention they need in a step-by-step process. You'll stay ahead on your time. You'll get more done. Optio.com slash PSP2. That's O-P-T-E-O dot com slash PSP, the number two, to get an eight-week free trial. Fill out the little chat form there. Tell them you heard about the show. On the Paid Search Podcast, you get that special exclusively from the Paid Search Podcast. All right. Thanks, Chris. And uh, I want to thank everyone for leaving us five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to podcasts. That really helps. It still helps. We're moving up the charts. Uh, Currently, we're number 52 in Australia for marketing all-time podcast. And in the United States of America, we are in the top 100 marketing podcasts. And I'd say that's mm. that's pretty good for a podcast that focuses on generators and One electricity and helicopters. <laughs> that focuses on, <laughs> on right. Google Ads. I, I think that's pretty good. And, and we're climbing. We're climbing. So one reason that happens is because you all share the show with friends. And it also happens because you leave five-star re- reviews and then the algorithms and the podcast platforms share the show and suggest it to more people. So today's five-star review of the week comes from Jonathan from Montreal. Five stars, best PPC content. It's amazing how those two guys managed to fit that much content and knowledge while entertaining us at the same time. Got hooked on the first episode. Keep it up, guys. Mm. Good review thank right you. there from Montreal in Canada. It's very nice. So thank you, Jonathan. That. Now, Chris, uh, today we're going to be talking about ROAS, return on ad spend. We're going to be getting to the bottom of whether or not that's the gold standard of Google ads. I'm not new to ROAS, but we'll talk about why on a lot of campaigns, I don't set that up. And you've talked a lot more about ROAS. So what I want to do, Chris, is kind of run my ROAS experience over the last couple of weeks by you, the way I set it up, the way I'm thinking about it and get your feedback if you think I'm thinking correctly, and then kind of get your general thoughts on how important ROAS is to running Google Ads campaigns. That's what uh, we're going to be talking about later on, and we'll dive into ROAS. But first, we are going to be talking about the news of the day. We're going to try to do that more on the Paid Search Podcast here, just kind of keep up with everything that's going on with Google Ads and Search. And today, there's a couple updates about the Google Partners program, and then also the big one that's on everyone's mind, Broad Match Modified going away, Phrase Match becoming updated, and what we're seeing based on that. So, Chris, why don't you start us off uh, with the news about the Partners Program? We got an email this week. 
Yeah, yeah. So we'll go into this a, a bit more on detail uh, in our uh, Patreon show. Uh, we can t- because this is more for those of you that are in the business of paid ads, managing them. But um, basically, uh, if you are a partner, uh, then you now have an extension on what was the uh, expiration of the old partner system. There are new standards. There are new tests. There are new qualifications, uh, and some of the rules have been defined a bit more. And we thought, and I thought it was happening all this year, and then Google, I even talked about it a couple weeks ago. I took some of those new tests, and I was kind of surprised a bit. They're quite a bit more complicated, a lot more different than they used to be. Uh, So now we all have an extension. If you were worried about it, we we can now uh, sit back, you don't have to worry about your partner status being jeopardized in the next uh, uh, at least you know ten months or so. Um, so that's good news, but don't sit on it too long because it is going to happen in 2022, which uh, we'll we'll talk more about kind of some of that stuff later. But uh, but yeah, that's that's basically you know the the big announcement for for this week is that. Uh, you know, Google's Google's being nice. They're saying, "Hey, it was a rough year. It's a rough year. Let's hold off on big shifts." Uh, and they've been pushing all, uh, a lot of that news on on Twitter and other sources. That um, partners update was set to happen, um, I think, right as we went into coronavirus last spring. And uh, yep. at the time, they they delayed it, um, and that was a, a good move because things were so. Uh, so crazy around then. And um, yeah, in Patreon, we'll break open that email and we'll kind of go through the details. So the big one, Chris, going on this week, phrase match update, broad match modified uh, going mm-hmm. away, but you can still run those keywords. They're just going to start being treated as if they're phrase match, updated phrase match. They said this was going to happen in mid-February. We're now in late February. What what have you been seeing out there um, so far? Here's, I mean, I have not seen much difference. Yeah, I I feel I like surprised. there's been some clients, and this this seems to be specific to industries. So some industries, and and maybe it has more to do with the way I have the keywords set up. But some of my clients have seen a slight drop off, of course, because you're an expert. Well, yeah, but it just you know like some of them might have like modified broad might have um, you know four or five words in it. And if, you know, for things like that, the volume of the search might go down uh, mm-hmm. if I have a longer tail modified broad. But for most of my campaigns, that's not been true. I haven't seen a big difference, but it's still really early. We're only like, I don't think we're a full week in yet on this. So, you know, I think I think there's a lot more to see. But so far, I haven't hit the panic button on anything yet. And for for those of you that are part of the super patron level, I released a video uh, uh, last week uh, about what to do about this and showing numbers and strategy now versus strategy in the next month, two, three, you know, four months. So I've addressed some specific stuff like that. But uh, overall, I haven't hit the panic yet. It's been okay, seems like. Okay, my, my takeaway so far, Chris, is it, it's been so normal so the same, so possibly even better, the search terms that I'm seeing come in from. Better. Well, if oh. you think about it, 
it's kind of doing a little trick on my eyes there because Broadmatch Modified, before the update, you would get some stuff you're not happy with quite a bit. Broadmatch Modified after the update, it now is updated phrase, which is still supposed to be pretty relevant. I think what's happening is I'm seeing my Broadmatch Modified come in because it's still in there. Um, that I had from before come in as maybe more relevant um, than I'm used to. So that's kind of been a positive. And then phrase match has just seemed like phrase match. I think one thing we forgot when this update happened was phrase match will still be like old phrase match when it's like old phrase match. Like when the words are actually in order, you're still going to get a lot right. of those. Like it's not, those yeah. aren't going away. And so I've been seeing though, I've been looking at phrase match search terms kind of skeptically and I'm like, oh, how bad is it going to be? And then I look at it and I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, there's actually still traditional phrase match that shows up quite a bit. I've been seeing the updated phrase match kind of searches come in. They're very relevant. And I've been surprised at how relevant everything is and how normal everything seems. The one question is on quite a bit of my broad match modified keywords where I'm looking at an account now, one click, uh, for a keyword, another keyword has one click. I look at the search terms. There's no search term data. So yeah. we know they took away, we yeah. think, 40%-ish on average search terms with that update a few months ago. And I'm just trying to look at some of my broad match modify keywords. But it, like you said, it's not been a long time. So a lot of them just have one click. I look at the search terms for them. There's nothing there right now. So the stuff I'm seeing, I'm liking, and it seems normal and relevant and everything's good. What I'm not seeing is kind of where I have a question. What are those search terms? What's the quality? And I guess we can just, over time, break that down by looking at the bottom of the search terms report where it shows you like the conversion data for all the search terms you see and then all the search terms you don't see or all the clicks you don't don't see see. search terms for. So I'll be keeping my eye on that. And then... I haven't really seen a difference, but one thing I'm worried about is the volume. I'm going to be worried and concerned that my broad match modified volume is going to drop significantly because now broad match modified is treated like updated phrase, which is more open than traditional phrase, but not as open as broad match modified was. So I'm worried about losing volume and that's just something I'm going to look out for, but it's too early to kind of make a judgment call of if that's happening yet. Yeah. Because anybody who runs Google Ads knows that Thursday is not always the same Thursday. Monday is not always the same Monday. Volume goes up and down. It's oh. never the same. Your client, your clients know that. I, I get, uh, I get no, guns I, pulled on. I, me no, for I yell it at them in, in over email traffic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding, Chris. We, yeah, we all know that. Uh, you got to look at the the sample size matters, and you can't get caught up in a. Uh, a small sample size. So I think the takeaway is, hey, it's not the end of the world. Things are looking pretty positive so far, but it's early, and let's just let's just keep monitoring um, and, yeah. and see how these these keywords perform. One thing it did change for me, Chris. Now that there's no such thing as broad match modified going forward, and it's just exact updated phrase and pure broad. I have now started copying and pasting my campaigns where I have pure broad keywords. The newly pasted ones, I rename it to whatever the campaign name is, and then the word broad, and those are my broad keyword campaigns, and I pause all the non-broad, non-pure broad, Uh and then in my Mm -hmm. original one, I pause all the pure broad, and I keep it as exact and updated phrase. I think we talked about it in Patreon or the main show last time, but I used to put pure broad just in 
everyday ad groups inside one campaign, this has kind of given me a chance to relook at things and go, okay, yeah, it does make sense for me to have those in their own campaigns so they don't mess up the data so I can look at things separately, kind of like you've been talking about how you manage Pure Broad. And that's kind of been a benefit of this time. I've actually taken the time to do that now just because it's been a reset in the way we think about keywords and match yeah. types. So that's been a big win for yeah. me. I feel like we'll have to revisit the Lazy Man build in a uh, world of uh, post-death modified broad, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because Lazy Man build was 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 entirely built on modified broad and using the power of that match system. So yeah, we may have to come back and reassess some of that in future podcasts. So be can, sure can you imagine being the person that created modified broad? Like you're at bars, you're trying to trying to t- tell new people why you're so great and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, actually, I work at Google, and uh, I'm the person came that came up, with, up with modified broad. So when you're doing a keyword, you know, and you put a plus sign on it, imagine that's if that's me. your identity, and then they just they just took and it. It's from gone. You. Yeah, what are you going to do yeah. now? You're, you, hey, at least you have some consolidation. The whole Google Ads world is mourning with you. You know, everyone's kind of sad. Hey, you know, Chris, I know you're, I know you're like the number one. I don't know when this started, but all of a sudden you're the number one fan of modified broad. As soon as you lose it, that's all I hear from you is how great it was. (laughs) Didn't hear that much before, (laughs) but all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I love modified broad. No, Chris, you're like a, you're like unbelievable how much you're pumping modified broad these days. And for me, what the, the lazy man build, you look at that, that was entirely based on modified broad. That's true. That's true. But my i don't know i don't hate this change like i kind of like it i'm i'm kind of so far i like it when it started we had that reaction on patreon we both almost had heart attacks seeing that email come through live that was a great reaction episode (laughs) but (laughs) as soon as it was over i was like okay this kind of makes sense like let's get a little more organized here with our keywords and the the modified broad they're so difficult to explain to clients and all that kind of stuff i'm i'm okay with it i don't i don't miss them and and to the person that uh, made modified broad, yeah, I'll tell you to your face. I don't, I don't miss them. You know, <laughs> you had a you had a good run, but things evolve, and uh, we're taking. Oh, by the way, maybe we can't do modified broad because just in our universe, the plus symbol has been taken up. The energy of the plus symbol has been moved over it's to streaming <laughs> services. Like we can no longer do pluses on keywords because right. the mental space and the energy in the universe plus everybody means, has a yeah. plus. Everyone has a plus, plus yeah. so plus is different. Yep. And before Modified Broad, it had to do with batteries. Then Modified Broad stole it, and now streaming stealing it. It's a it's a very useful symbol in yeah. language. Yeah. So, Chris, speaking of language and acronyms, let's talk about ROAS, ROAS, return on ad spend, the gold standard of Google Ads? Question mark. Mm. Um, Not everybody's there. Okay. Def- I, I, I agree with that. So Not everybody's there, but it is. What we're doing here, Chris, I admit it, I haven't been a big user of ROAS, but people love talking about ROAS. I started using it more recently. I want to run by you like the way I'm thinking about it, how I set it up, what it is. And then I think we need to have like a little conversation of, does this have to be every single account or... Can sometimes you just do traditional like cost per lead? Why haven't I always done it, Chris? Because I work with a lot of moving companies. I work with a lot of former and future felons and convicts. 
<laughs> I was thinking about that today, Chris. It's not just former felons, probably future felons <laughs> in that business. If I see a radio they want and <laughs> just bring it home with them. <laughs> so in that business, Chris, you get a lot of people who are great at um, Grand Theft Auto. They're great at um, moving. Uh, they're oh, great at oh, providing yeah. moving services. And they're not great at websites. They're not great at tracking codes. They're not great at accounting and economics. And you ask them, okay, what's the average value of one move for you? And you get a lot of feedback, like 10 years in business. They're like, hey, that's a good question. Hey, we've been, tra- thought about <laughs> we've that. been trying to figure that out. So <laughs> some of the small businesses that I work with sometimes, you know, ROAS, return on spend, average value – it's not such a thing as like a multinational B2B or an e-commerce company that does millions of dollars a month. Um, so that's why it hasn't been my focus. My focus has been cost per conversion, old school. But I am open to getting more into ROAS, um, but that's probably why I haven't been into it as much. So let me ask you to start off, have you ever run a successful campaign without ROAS, just focusing on cost per conversion? Oh, that's a... Um, do you question. have to do yeah. ROAS to be quote unquote a Google Ads quality manager? Where where, where does ROAS fit into the Chris Schaefer management sphere? Yeah, yeah. Just just because we say gold standard does not mean that you have to do it. It just means that there is a level of optimization that is accomplished for campaigns that are able to understand the exact revenue that a click that a conversion brings in. There's a gold standard management level, but absolutely, I run campaigns that get no conversions, and I run good campaigns that have been running for years, spent tons of money, and helped businesses thrive in many different industries. I've run campaigns with conversions that... uh, do great, but we have no idea if that's a really hot conversion or if it's just a, you know, lukewarm conversion. So that's absolutely fine. And then the campaigns that can perform and reach new heights are the ones where you take it to the new level, but that's not always, it's not always possible. And sometimes it's, you know, you get, if you have different services, I find that it's not possible with service companies or people that have kind of a longer sales process, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it uh, they're not able to track it. They have to take the phone call, do a meeting. You know, I think about plastic surgeons, you know, stuff like that, you know, where, where they get the lead, then they have to do a meeting, then they have to do a follow-up, and then then they decide to sign on the contract and, you know, and, and, and do it. You know, that kind of thing. It's like, good luck getting that uh, process through with the right yeah, or like, or like new kitchen contractors or realtors, like you meet with someone and maybe they're not ready at the time. Uh, I think that's a good way to think about conversions in Google Ads, Chris. You have campaigns with no conversions or some conversions, like they track the click on the call extension because that's easy to set up, but they don't track lead forms or website calls. So you have kind of no conversion tracking to some conversion tracking. And in those cases, you can still run a great campaign. You focus on search terms, you focus on cost per click. And Google Ads still works. You're still getting in front of people who are looking for what you offer. So it can still work. The next level up is all conversion tracking is in place. And you can optimize based on cost per conversion, cost per lead, cost per sale, whatever you want to call a conversion. But you can optimize based on that because you're getting complete conversion data. And then the final level 
is like you actually know what those conversions are worth. The revenue associated with those conversions, not only are you tracking how many conversions you're, get, you're getting, you're tracking what they're worth to you, and you compare that to what it costs to get them, and that's kind of, I think it is fair to say that is like the gold standard. I mean, that is better than not having it. Just because you can do great without conversions, just because you can do great without uh, revenue on the conversions and ROAS, it's still probably better if you're running ROAS, would you agree with that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I might even go so far to say, if you just ask the question, is a phone call worth more than a web form? Do you tend to enjoy phone uh, calls better great, because you're on the phone question. with them? I love the way you think, Chris. Yeah. I love the way you look. Yeah. I love the I love the way you show <laughs> okay. up every week right. on time. You're just okay. a great person to work with. <laughs> I love that you're a family man. I love that uh, we found and mm-hmm. found each other and do the show together. Yes. But I also yeah. love the way you think about Google Ads. I love I, that. That's not a question I had thought of it when I was preparing for this episode or thinking about ROAS. But that's a great. I was like, okay, if you run lead gen, it's like you get leads for a moving company. What's the difference? Why would any conversion value be different? You get leads, mm-hmm. but but that is a great way. Yeah, a phone, phone calls call. generally yeah. are more valuable than lead form because you're right there with the person and have a chance to sell them better. So, uh, so you're farther along in the process. So let, let's say you don't know how much a sale is worth, you know, it's always so different. You have multiple products, just put a thousand dollar revenue on a phone call and put $250 revenue on a web form. And you have a made up ROAS, but at least you'll be able to focus on a ROAS that performs better um, simply based on this fictional revenue number that you made up, you know? Oh, it's so another way to out. think about it. It's not using actual real revenue, but using relative values. Exactly. The the, yeah. the, the, the number $1 could be on your lead forms, and if phone calls are twice as valuable to you, you could be $2. I would, I would say go with a higher number just because... The cost per click and all that. Yeah, just because if you have a cost per click of let's say five dollars and you put one dollar, your, your ROAS is gonna be so yeah. low. Yeah. Just put a put a thousand just to at least give you some whole numbers to work with. You know, that that's my Okay, thought. that's a that's a good but, uh, concept there. Um just to define what it is, it's return on ad spend. It's your revenue divided by your cost. So if if you spend a thousand and you get two thousand dollars worth of conversion value back worth of revenue, uh, you're getting a two to one ROAS and your ROAS will be two. Um, so that's what it is. Uh, the question of how to set it up, I want to run this by you, Chris, and just see, is it as simple as I've been thinking about it? But how I set it up, I went into my conversions, phone call, Mm -hmm. website, phone calls, call extension, phone calls, lead forms. This is for lead gen. And I put in conversion values. And they're based on revenue. And for e-commerce, not I don't do e-commerce, but if I did, what I would do is I would go, okay, if this conversion is called a sale of widgets and it represents getting a sale of one widget, if my revenue from one widget is $10, I would put in a conversion value of $10. That's how I would think about e-commerce. For lead gen- Well, it's it's a little smarter with e-commerce. It's actually it's actually automated. Oh, it's automated with use, the yeah the analyst yeah the yeah, e-commerce. So they the actually checkout. pull in the checkout value. Okay. Yes. Good to know. As far as lead gen goes, we don't have the ability to go that far. The actual sale doesn't take place with Google Ads. It's just getting leads. 
So the way I think about it is how many of those conversions, those phone calls, those lead forms, does it take to actually acquire a new customer? So just for round numbers, if it takes me 10 leads to get one new customer signed up for my business and giving me money, what I'm going to do is take the revenue that one customer represents, say $100, and I'm going to divide that by the 10 leads it takes to get that $100, and 100 divided by 10 is 10, and I'm going to put in a conversion value of $10 because one conversion represents one-tenth of a sale in this case, and one-tenth of a sale would be $10 out of the 100. Is that the right way to think about conversion value for lead gen? Yeah, I mean, that's the that is a step beyond even what I had given. You know, at least you you know if you if you can't come up with a value per lead. sale based on or, like how many leads it takes to get or, a sale or lead exactly. If you can't come up with that, then go with what I talked about. You know, just do an arbitrary ratio difference. But the way Jason described, absolutely, you're right. That is a well, much I'm, I'm more educated e- way. E-commerceify my yep. service lead gen oh, campaign yeah. in I this like post variant world. Oh man! When I was getting my PhD back at university, majoring in <laughs> Google Ads management in your underwear. That's right. We learned yep. that you had to say words like post variant. Jason, why aren't people in college? Why don't they know that this job exists? It's a sad thing that there aren't colleges. That are saying like, hey, 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 get out of your business class. Let me tell you about how you can earn money in your underwear at home. A cool entrepreneurship major course would be like, mm-hmm. uh, or <sighs> not course. Yeah, maybe a course, just 100 jobs, 100 businesses. And then you learn the economics of 100 different businesses. Fast food franchise, franchisee, landscaping company, law firm, whatever it is. Um, yeah, that'd be cool. But that's the way I would think about it, Chris, is to kind of e-commerceify my service campaign. My that's a good, campaign. I like that. Yeah. And I, I do want real numbers. I want to know like, okay, how many leads does it take me to get an actual sign up customer? What's one customer worth? Let me divide that by the number of leads. That's my value per one conversion. So that's how you set it up in terms of the conversion. Chris, how do I actually see that data? I just added, there's two columns that come to mind. Let me know if I'm right here. And then I only think I needed one of them. There's conversion value, and they do the abbreviation C-O-N-V period, conversion value, which tells you um, if your conversion value was 10 and you got six conversions, it would probably say 60 there. Um, And then you have conversion value divided by cost, which to me is the actual column that matters. That's the ROAS. That's the return. Conversion value divided by cost would be okay. $10 conversion value. You got six conversions. That's $60 conversion value. It took you $30 to get it. That's your cost column. 60 value divided by cost 30. You would see a two in that conversion value divided by cost column. To me, that is the ROAS column. That's the only column I need for this kind of uh, optimization and, and data. Am I correct about that? Am I missing any columns? Is that the column? Where do, where do you go with columns? Yeah, that's it. You're right. I mean, this whole show is about it sounds very ROAS. Simple. This sounds very simple you for know, such a yeah. falutin, highfalutin, ROAS, it's, gold standard term. It sounds very simple. It, yeah, it, it, the, the hard part of this is all the stuff that leads up to Getting putting that, that number. one number How accurate is that into number? Yeah. Google Ads. 
Yeah, yeah. that's the it, so you go to all you have this back end conversation to finally come to one number and a decision, and uh, that's the gold standard. Yeah, I mean it works a lot better that way. And in reality, if if anyone asks, is I have a ROAS of three, and this other guy says, well I have a ROAS of thirty four. You know which one's better? The reality is it makes absolutely no difference to the success of your campaign. Google doesn't look at your ROAS, your your conversion value over cost number. It makes no difference for your quality score. It makes no difference to the performance, your click-through rate, nothing. It's just a made-up number, just like conversions are a made-up factor. It's only as it good does, as the data. Your conversions could you. be your conversion could be time on site one second. And then all of a sudden you get a hundred percent conversion rate. It wow. it's only as good as the <laughs> yeah. the data you punch in. And so I think you exactly. make a good point. The absolute most important thing about ROAS is getting a an accurate conversion value number. Because if you don't mm-hmm. do that correct, then you can feel like you're doing everything correct and optimizing for a ROAS of five and all that, but you could still be totally losing money if it's not based on a real number. So Chris, then, then it becomes the question of what is a good return on ad spend in that conversion value divided by cost column. Um, what do I want to see there? In Patreon, we're going to talk about some actual conversion value divided by cost numbers that I'm seeing in my account that I'm running. And I'll, t- I'll just put this controversial number out there. Zero is fine if you're doing remarketing. Ooh. Do you have oh, a beef with that? <laughs> you know? No. I mean. Heck no. No, that's fine. Yeah. I've, you know what I like? Impressions. That's another controversial. You know what I value in remarketing? Impressions. <laughs> Who else values impressions anywhere else? So yeah, I totally So it's not a it's not a ROAS isn't a good fit for everything, but sometimes for straight up lead gen search campaigns, it, it very much can be. Um, we had a great episode with the CEO of Disruptive Chris a couple years ago. I learned a great thing in that episode, and that's the ROAS goals that you should go for what different ROAS numbers mean if you're losing money breaking even or making money he uh, Jacob in that episode broke it down very in a very simple way and it was a great episode and maybe if we interviewed more people Chris we would actually learn Mm -hmm. something from time to time but we don't do that oh because how could I learn anything (laughs) else in life and same to you right but I did it was a great episode and the way he broke it down and this always stuck with me was one and two means you're losing money. And I this is my memory of it. I have to go back and listen. But what I've always remembered is one and two means you're losing money. Why? Well, if your profit margin is 50% and you spend $100 in Google Ads to get $100 of value in Google Ads revenue, but then your profit margin is only 50%, your profit's $50 and you spent $100 to get that $50, you're losing money. Oh yeah. So you can't so that's why one and two are kind of losing money. Threes kind of break even. And then four or five are making money. So if again, say you have a fifty percent operating margin, for every dollar of revenue you, you get to provide that service, you get fifty cents back. Row as a four. You spend a hundred dollars in Google Ads cost column to get four hundred dollars of value in your conversion uh, value column. That's a row as a four. Say your operating profit's 50% of the $400 revenue you got, you're making a profit of 200. You spend 100 to get the 200, you're making $100. You're making money. Five, it's even better. And then above five, it's even better. And so my final point would be 
Don't settle at five. I've seen campaigns I'm running right now that are getting an eight. And as long as your numbers are accurate, if you're getting more than five, you're Mm. really making some good money. But of course, it depends on the accuracy. But Chris, this one through five system, do you like it? Does it make sense? Am I thinking about it the right way? Oh, you're absolutely right. Now, throw out these numbers if you are doing what we talked about before and just making up numbers. Trying to get relative numbers, Do not numbers, yeah. base, yeah. What we're talking about real numbers, you said accuracy. That's very important. If it's accurate, and this is, this represents true, you know, as true as it can be, uh, accuracy of true value coming from Google Ads as far as sales, revenue, then absolutely. It's, it's absolutely right. You have to consider operation costs and rent and shipping and you know all all the overhead that you have in order to get that thing out the door and completed you have to take off all that so you know it's not an isolated independent figure you have to consider yeah, you don't, you don't take. keep a hundred percent of the revenue that you get from google ads yeah no no absolutely not so let me tell you guys about optio again opteo.com slash psp2 Get an eight-week free trial. If you haven't done it, I'll tell you what, it's kind of embarrassing. Literally hundreds and hundreds, I don't know, you know, some people say thousands. Some people say it's more people than ever before have tried it. And you're in the minority if you haven't because we hear about our listeners asking questions about it, talking about it, you know, uh, all the time. We really do. So try it out. It's totally free for eight weeks. It's a software. It's a software that gets more done in Google Ads than you can do in the same amount of time yourself. No risk, free trial, eight weeks, opteo.com slash PSP2. Thanks, Chris. Um, in Patreon, we're going to kind of debate whether or not, um, you know, would you, would you optimize off cost per conversion if you can just actually get a real cost per conversion number and kind of work backwards with cost per conversion and kind of make it the inverse of ROAS, can it be the same thing and you can just manage things simpler? We're going to talk about that, but I want to close tonight's episode, Chris, with automated bidding. There is a strategy inside of Google ads. I'm going to go into an account right now um, that Mm. will automate Mm -hmm. your bids based on your, your ROAS goals so if you go into settings and then bidding and then apologize 50 times because your manual bids are on and you, you got to get back out of that and you go into automated bid <laughs> strategies i see target ROAS set bids to help you get the most conversion value while maintaining your target return on ad spend and it punches in there like a default at least on my campaign of 350 percent and then you can change that to 400%, 500%. The way I understand that, 350% would be a ROAS of 3.5, 400% would be a 4, 800% would be a, an 8, and so on. Chris, have you used a lot of target ROAS automated bidding? We haven't talked a lot about that um, compared to like maximize clicks and target CPA. And what's your what's your experience with that? How did it go? Is it something you think about trying from time to time? Or is it a little too little too many kind of moving parts to based on automated? That that's a really good question. There is a reason. First of all, I'll answer your question. No, I don't use it a lot. So the next question is why? Um, why don't I use it? And the answer to that is I, I haven't found a campaign yet that is 
so profitable and so consistent. There's ne- you know never any errors. You know this this is a big thing we didn't really talk about. But if you do ROAS uh, bidding, you better make sure you don't have one click, one impression, three conversions. You know, or one click, one impression you know, two conversions, you know, that that's going to really mess up your ROAS. And I have yet to find a campaign that is error free and is so smooth and just buttery that it just flows through is super profitable. Um, that's not the case. I have good months and I have bad months. Um, and I've never been like good, 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 amazing, good, good, good. You know, it, it that's not usually the case. So I just don't use it. But, because I just I like to have my hands on the controls a bit more. Um, I think, Chris, if you're running a mil like hundreds of thousands of dollars a month in an e-commerce account where you're getting real pure ROAS mm-hmm. and you know exactly what the that the the ROAS data is correct, and you're getting a ton of conversions, yes, uh, that that point. is where yep. I would be inclined to at least on some campaigns, let the target ROAS take over and see if it, see if it could dial in and, and work. Because it's but, unmanageable. So you're saying the, the management of something like that is so intense that the ROAS, automated ROAS, ROAS starts to make a little bit more sense. That's definitely a factor, especially as you get into super, super high volume of numbers. But at the same time, I was coming at it more from a, hey, we've got a ton of data to feed the beast and we know it's accurate data. Um, because I'm contrasting that to like a moving company campaign, thousand dollars a month. Say we get twenty, thirty leads. Like, what are we doing, Roas? Like that that that's not enough data for this right. thing to to work. And, and yep. what if yep. what if the moving company has like a, a bad month in terms of like employee intake, and the person answering the phone is like texting their their friend or whatever, and is real rude on the phone, and like doesn't uh doesn't keep people yep. on the phone more than a minute as much as they could and we're not getting those minute long conversions the conversions mm. plummet and then the roas is like whoa now we have to super drop bids because they're not getting conversion it's Our, just yeah. too small Start too many variables yeah too many yep. variables yep. so that's why i'm like yeah maybe e-commerce maybe huge spend i'd love to see how that target roas works i just at this point on like a smaller service campaign i'd be a little little hesitant yeah. there. So that said, that's a good point. if you're running manual bids um, and you're optimizing for ROAS, is that a thing? Can you run manual and optimize for ROAS and just just kind of uh, maybe look at the ad group level, the, the keyword level, look at your return on ad spend. And if a client tells you like, hey, I want a five on everything, that's my, that's my threshold. Mm-hmm. You just manage the bids based on the ROAS column, conversion value yeah. divided by cost, as opposed to the, uh, cost per conversion vo- column. That it's basically the, is it the same thing? You just optimize for a different column. Yeah. Well, I mean, cost per conversion is for me is very different from conversion value over cost. Those are. Well, that's what I'm saying. If if you if you make the choice that this is going to be a ROAS account, but I'm still doing manual. Oh yeah. Do you? Is it the same manual bidding? Kind of thinking oh, as you if op- you were doing it. Yeah, you just oh, optimize yeah. for a different column, this other column. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's it, for that's why it's the gold standard. When it's the gold standard, is essentially it means you see a number that's below your threshold, you do something about you it. You see bids, a number that's above. Yeah. 
yeah, you do something, you change something. And there's a lot of options. It's not just the bids, but I mean, you, you, you take action and it's so black and white. I mean, that's why it's the gold standard is because there's so much less guessing. That's what's so appealing about it. Jason, you ready to pull the curtain and go into our private lounge of patrons and talk a bit about this a little bit more as well as uh, the new partner status and stuff like that. If you guys want to join us, uh, we have a very low low $2 patron and a $4 patron level uh, that you can join us for this uh, additional podcast that we do. But uh, if not, thank you for joining us. We'll be back on schedule as always, except when Texas has multiple winter storms. That's our threshold for failure, is that. That's it.